Uh, Neil, after how long has Spotify been out? What's Spotify? You don't know what? See, oh my God. Is that like get stuff off your clothes if you get something on them? No, or? Spotify, like where this podcast resides most of the time. Really? I thought it was Mo- Anchor. Most of it is Anchor. I thought but, it was Apple. But you know, but it goes to Apple, but it goes to the, all the different podcasting um, mechanisms that exist it's like sound i think it's on soundcloud anyways doesn't oh that's that like, place where like joe rogan is right yeah joe, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Gotcha. spotify but it's all also right. where like all the music is welcome to for oh. those who inquired oh yes edward marlowe neil bradley what i was fixing to say is i finally joined spotify today you did yeah and a lot of like it's a free thing it's like pandora it's like different all sorts of you know youtube music apple music and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. of course it's where this podcast does reside among many other podcast mechanisms but uh yeah i'm definitely gonna be listening to more spotify uh as we move forward was in, in fact i was listening to a a podcast today with uh Wright thompson in which he was talking about his big time interview in 2013 with michael jordan and uh, wow. just how he was able to come away with that story for espn the magazine mm-hmm. so i digress here we are on spotify and the so uh, when the, just for the heck of it what sure. all do you listen to podcast wise me so that's my thing i'm bad at listening to other podcasts and Uh i've got to get better i have been better at listening to like specific episodes uh like i every once in a while i listen to quinn and dj for you know all you need to know those guys are absolutely hilarious quinn of course former murray state men's golfer dj now uh boys basketball coach for crittenden county both of them terrific marshall county graduates and you know, and have gone on to do some great things. And so uh, I listen to like specific episodes of that. I've listened to specific episodes of uh, Sling and Yang with Jeff Perlman, uh, who has writers on all the time talking about their work and their product and how they come away with a book or a, uh, you know, a newspaper article or a certain interview. Right. Um, I've listened to episodes specifically of Jeff Bidwell's show. You know, I've listened to a couple episodes of the Racer Nation podcast, you know, that those guys do. It's just one of those things where like, I'm more the way that I listen to podcasts. If I do listen to them, it's just it's subject material. Like if you right. tell me a specific topic, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go get into that. Yeah. And so right now, I'm just trying to listen episodically to to subjects I like. Yeah. Okay. What about for you? Yeah. Uh, people are probably shocked. I don't listen to hardly any sports podcasts or anything like that. Uh, I check out. This is really weird. Uh, Racer Nation podcast, they they have that one. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, I have listened to Jeff's before, and it's really odd because when I talk to any of those guys in person, it's like they're talking weird because I listen to them like at double the speed, so I can take an hour podcast and listen to it in 30 minutes. So I mean, it's like, yeah, they're talking like chipmunks. But I can understand them. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that with the drama podcast. I listen to Office Ladies, big fan of The Office. So my wife and I listen to that. Uh, my favorite podcast of all time, The Leviathan Chronicles. To me, it's the best hands down that I've ever listened to. What is that actually? I actually, that's it's, new information to me. What it's, is it? It's, it's it's a science fiction kind of thing. It's, it's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, and Derelict that I just started listening to, Dust was another one it's a sci-fi that i highly recommend it was very good and another one about zombies i listened to but i don't have it on my phone anymore i forgot what it was but it we're alive is the name of it and there it actually is pretty good actually it was other thing too i will when my wife and i are taking road trips the dishwasher love yes. to bring her into the conversation the dishwasher and i will listen to a lot of crime podcasts and so we listen oh, yeah, to, listen to those yeah 2020 yep and we, we really and more than anything dateline. dateline yeah yep keith morrison is 
Well, that's the one. <laughs> I, butter. Yeah, I go and see the ones that Chris Morrison's done. Those are the ones I listen to first. Sure. He could take anything. He could take our podcast and make it interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he really could. Yeah, absolutely. People would be like, man, I'm going to listen to that. But anyways, we do appreciate the uh, scads of listeners that we have. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we appreciate that. I was just curious. I yeah, really no, no, no. I think it's a fair that. question. Okay. And you and I always like to dovetail into into random subjects. Hey, and, and also, uh, while, while I have you here, and I sort of mentioned this, uh, I know you're thrilled, and I can tell you're kind of shaking right now while you're drinking your beverage right there mm-hmm. with the new um, Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out. Oh, I can't wait! And it's is that when is that this summer? When I, is that? It's soon. It's on. It it's is a, soon. It's, it's Honor Among Thieves. Yeah, I saw a little trailer on it. So it's either going to be really bad or really good. I don't know if there's going to be a middle ground. So I thought when it comes out, we could do a promotion and give away tickets to it. Okay. First place. Two tickets. Okay. Second place, four tickets. Third place, eight tickets. So <laughs> I think we could do that, You're pull kidding. it off. I see what you did there. That's clever. What? No. More I, tickets for the worst places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that way, only two people have to suffer if if you're the champ. But if you're third, you got to get eight like people. Like I said, are gonna have to I, go not to, I mean, there's no, it should surprise no one that I play Dungeons and Dragons on a Well, I used to enjoy league. playing it and yeah. probably still would. My issue is I don't know how good the movie can be because I, I just don't understand how you can make a movie. About I think it. the, I'll agree with you because there's so many different, um, yeah, I mean, I, not to do a whole episode on this, but I'll just briefly mention there's a number of different worlds and creations that you could explore from a movie perspective. But the whole point of Dungeons and Dragons is to be as fluid and open as yes. possible. And yeah. so it's hard to create a streamed storyline that your table isn't developing. I yeah. tell you what, you it would be amazing if you could ever pull it off is if you could do a choose your own. There you go. Like scene uh-huh. and move but i mean you clearly can't do that for a two and a half hour Obviously movie can't. but as amazing of, of an opportunity as that would be yeah somebody's listening to me right now that has the money to do that it would be incredible if you filmed x scenes and the audience voted on what happens next. there is a show on netflix right now kaleidoscope have you heard of that one no um it's i think it's an eight episode one and um the reason it's called kaleidoscope it takes your viewing history and show and chooses what episode to show you and in which order. There's eight episodes. Whoa. And so we started with episode four. That's incredible. And then it showed us episode one. So we've seen four and one of Kaleidoscope. It's kind of different now. What a neat concept, though. It I, is. Funny. By the way, for those who inquired, we we didn't even plan any of this discussion. This is there's imp- going to be some sports eventually. Is, yeah, right? we'll get to the sports at some point. <laughs> but this was prompted conversation. I, I mean, I'm trying to get into more reading in 2023 and slow my mind down a little bit. I've started Blood in the Garden by Chris Herring, which is the 90s history of the New York Knicks, which has fit well in my timeline because I watched Winning Time last year, and of course. You know, you don't have the 90s Knicks without Pat Riley. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it would... It, I need to watch more television. I finished Andor. It was phenomenal. Um, I'm obviously looking forward to certain Star Wars, you know, avenues this year. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah. with Quantumania. I know that we kind of had some Marvel fatigue and even some Star Wars fatigue there uh, for a while, but uh, that's such a neat concept with yeah. Kaleidoscope to... To take your viewing history and shuffle it in yeah. episode, episode that yeah, that's 
And the wi- the wife, a librarian, should be happy that you're reading more. I, that was like one of our initial connections. You say, hey, I'm a librarian. It's like, man, really? I said, because there's nothing that I like better than a Saturday rainy afternoon is get a good book and curl up with the good book and put it beside me and put a drink on it and watch sports all day. <laughs> to me, that is the best day ever. And we just kind so of connected from there, it's really. A, it's a coaster. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I pretty, see what you did there. Pretty much. Hey, I'll, 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 one, one last thing about that, and it's something the dishwasher and I argue about pretty consistently, and not in a, like a heated way, but she, you know, I have stacks of books. Neil, you've seen my study. Yeah. I have stacks of books. Now, not here in this kitchen, in this kitchen table, but nine times out of ten, a lot of people, you know, when they come by, I do have mountains of sports memorabilia, old magazines, books and picture like you know like pictured folios and all sorts of things and so it's like i got to get to these books eventually you know at some point or you'll be on hoarders yeah Yeah. exactly i will be on my wife's even said that yeah there you go there's movies that are unopened there's books that have never cracked the the crease and it's like and i've got sports books that i want to read like moneyball and and ball four and and you know and and so on and so forth we could go on down the list and it's just like well if i'm ever going to get to these i gotta you know i've got mirin fader's Giannis. You know, which she was able to complete right before Giannis won MVP and then the national, you know, the, the, the big time championship. Don't it's even like, know what you're talking about right now. Oh, she wrote a book that's like heralded and critically acclaimed that was absolutely. She wrote a profile on John Morant, too, while he was in college. Oh, but, you're talking about. I thought Giannis was some like a Greek philosopher. I didn't know. Oh, he's absolutely. Know who the hell you were talking he absolutely about. Absolutely. You meant the philosopher. basketball player. Oh, yeah. But right. he's still a Greek philosopher. I know him by his last name. Uh, Atentacupo. Yeah. yeah. That. Yeah, oh, well, of course. But Giannis is, is man, some. He needs. He is a Greek philosopher okay. because he's a he's a doctorate on the basketball court. He is. He's a heck so, of a player. Anyways, we're finally going to get to some sports now. But yeah, no books. Well, that media, was kind of sports. Got it. Kind of was. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get into this. I, I don't. We are less than this discussion is coming less than twenty four hours after Murray State's phenomenal win over Belmont with a few few question marks. We'll raise we'll raise those questions. So I want before we. Put that on the boilerplate. I wanna, I wanna take us back. You and I last met January nineteenth, and uh, still, once again, it's been just right at two weeks since we last spoke for this podcast. And what's happened with men's basketball in that in that moment is you've had a win over Indiana State at home, good win against Indiana State. You had the road loss at SIU, which was testy and fun and spilling over in the rivalry quite literally mm-hmm. and you had some fans with some extra participation and some players with you know that that got fun and then of course you know the win over Belmont which was really in my opinion I know you were favored on the score sheet but you know from a from a betting perspective I think Murray State was plus one and a half is what they were given but uh or excuse me minus one and a half but it's like Oh, that I felt like that was a steal, you know, because Belmont was, you know, was that good. So, just I don't want to completely, you know, go over those previous two games, but the win over Indiana State was really good, and the loss at SIU really came in those final five minutes, which is what tough teams do, yeah. home home teams do. What did you see in those two games specifically leading into? Belmont and the win on which, Wednesday night. Which two are we talking about now? Indiana State and SIU. Indiana State, again, a good toughness win. I think that was the one where we started poorly in each half, but played really well uh, beyond that. Yep. Uh, uh, shot it you know, well enough to win. Defended really well. 
And uh, I was real happy with that game. Uh, Indiana State, you knew they were coming in stumbling. They were trying to snap a losing skid, and the racers are really good at home. Uh, That gave them a lot of momentum. They go to SIU, uh, and I thought they played reasonably well there for the most part. Other than the the few minutes at the end, last two and a half minutes or so, had opportunities uh, with under four minutes to go. Racers had the lead. Uh, just couldn't get shots to go and couldn't get key stops down the end. And SIU, really good at home. They have a much more experienced team. They do. And you would sort of expect that result in most uh, cases. But I was really very proud of the, the racer team. Uh, the, the effort that we got there, uh, is it, that was a toughness test. If you want to start to win games on the road, that's how you have to play. Now, they didn't play 40 minutes like they needed to, but they played – probably 35, 36 really good minutes in that game for the most part uh, and lost it because of uh, probably four uh, subpar minutes. But uh, I've seen progress there in in what I'm getting. So I I was happy about um, the way they played. Of course, you're not delighted with the result. And and then uh, the the fireworks uh, at the end a little bit uh, kind of triggered, I guess, the the rivalry part of that, which I still believe uh, 10 years down the road, this will be the rivalry, Murray State. And SIU. I agree with that. And that and monstrous. that's that's with no disrespect to Belmont. No, it, it isn't at all. God, I love that. It'll rivalry. still be a rivalry. It'll still be a rivalry. But and I do, I love that rivalry. Fifteen ten years ago, ten ten years ago, before I ever wrote a stinking word on Murray State Athletics, before I ever knew I was even gonna do that, I probably would have said I hate Belmont. Like just loathe Belmont with a passion. I don't particularly feel those angsty, angry feelings anymore because I just love good college basketball, yeah. mm-hmm. and I love – but if you really think about – and, again, I'm, I'm diving into Belmont here. I'm going to go back in just a minute. If you really think about just the number of one-possession games that Murray State and Belmont have experienced in mm-hmm. the last seven years, it's quite painful. Two of them yeah. are championship-related. Uh, a couple of them have been in the regular season when things mattered most, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to find that that upper echelon and the top, you know, top third of your conference, be it the OVC and now the MVC. It's just, oh, it just if it doesn't bring like this kernel of like, I don't know what to say. It's like a, it's like a, it feels like a Buckeye, like that hard kernel that you like have in That's your good. hand. That's good. Nothing wrong with the Buckeye. I just. I, it just it's it's gravelly the mm-hmm. game like there were the five Belmont fans there last night and people were just razzing them the mm-hmm. whole time I kind of felt bad for them they couldn't they didn't have a huge compartment of people around them to protect them from mm-hmm. racer fans getting into them and it was just like oh man this is this is it you know which it was that way two weeks ago when it was Murray State at Nashville at the curb it's like you know Belmont got a great win against Murray State and deservedly let racer fans hear it so it's yeah. like it's just uh, and it's you're always playing for anyways I, I digress it's just you you're seeing that it's always kind of existed with siu from a regional perspective and now it just really freaking matters and we don't play them enough you don't now you do it's the same way with western now you and do i'll say it again enough. i cannot wait i cannot wait for the four-game series yes. with Western. I cannot wait. But now you get SIU uh, twice. Yes. And uh, For the, the Marbles. And the, the part off the off the court and off the field is we compete directly with them for students, not as much with Belmont. It's a private. We're not going to lose 500 kids from mm-hmm. Western Kentucky going to Belmont. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there's 
we, uh, when I worked the radio station, we and back when we hired you know part timers and news directors or assistant news directors and stuff. Gosh, everybody that came in and applied was from Southern Illinois. Sure. By Southern, either deep or on up towards St. Louis in that, in that area, in, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, Collinsville and uh, Fairview Heights and that. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, how many, really? And I said, how come you came? Well, they said they liked the school. They wanted to major in this, but also is a better deal for them. Yep. So, like, that, that's fantastic. So, you have that competition there, but it's, all, it's also going to be awesome. Uh, especially on the basketball floor. I don't know much about the other sports in terms of how we'll do against them, but uh, this this is going to be a heated rivalry basketball. Real quick, just a quick addressment. Addressment, that's not even a real word. I'm just – It is now. I mean, yeah, I just made it up. 1045 this February 2nd, Groundhog Day. We're just going to relive the day, by the way, Neil. I'm sure you can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. It's a nod to old uh, – Bill Murray there. But uh, Murray State was able to beat Indiana State. Not a great shooting night from three. Great shooting night from two and a great shooting night from the free throw line as the racers were able to drive into the paint. They were 28 of 33 from the stripe. Slight rebounding edge there, but a lot of misses to rebound because uh, Indiana State was five for 30 uh, from three, and the racers were two of 18, including an uncharacteristic 0 for 9. Uh, with uh, Mr. Rob Perry, and that's not a disrespect to him. I thought Indiana State did a great job defending him, making him tough, take tough threes, but the Racers rebounded particularly well with that many misses. And D.J. Burns, you had four guys in double figures, including Perry with 18, but you had Brian Moore leading the way with 19 points. We will made one of the two threes that night. We will get to him uh, in just a moment. You were playing, of course, even shorthanded with uh, no Kenny White, mm-hmm. uh, and your bench included that night Quincy Anderson and Justin Morgan. And Morgan played 25 minutes that night, 5.7 rebounds, and Quincy Anderson with uh, 4.5 rebounds, and they were both plus 15. So that was, I thought, pretty critical against Indiana State. The shift quickly to, uh, to SIU, just from a numbers perspective, Tight, tight game, the big difference. Not only was it that final four minutes, but Southern was 10 for 26 from three, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost 40%, and the Racers were 4 of 15. And uh, some tough missed free throws. You out-rebounded them well uh, by nine, so I thought that that was really good from a, like a toughness standpoint. That's absolutely something you're looking for on the road, uh, but it was also probably Jacoby Wood's worst shooting night of the season. He was 0 for 7. Uh, on the road there, and in a, in a, in a you know in a two possession game, those are the kind of things that are you know are really unfortunate. But again, SIU, <laughs> we get to this. I say SIU is the top team in the league. Let's just go ahead and quickly address this before we get to the Belmont discussion. <laughs> you have Neil, correct me if I'm wrong here. You have what is it? Two teams at the top, three to four right now. Four, yeah, four teams. Four tied for first at and four tied for fifth. Yep. Four teams at nine and four, and four teams at eight and five, including but, yeah. the Racers. One game separating all those teams. Love it. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, Drake was the preseason favorite. I, you didn't think they'd be thirteen and zero in league play right now, but that's always possible. You know, a team can just you know stay hot. We we know what that's like. But this is how tough the Valley is this year. Oh, their big win was going to Belmont without Tucker DeVries and beating them by eighteen points. Yeah, that's hammered. And now they're in first. Yep. And, and yep. Uh, watch the game, not the game. Watch the end of the game last night. Uh, Bowen Bourne's like, we're not leaving till we win the game. Hit two threes to go overtime. Yep. And uh, they didn't survive. Drake gets another big win there, even though it was at home. But 
what what wars we have in this league. It's yep. it's really fun. I, it I'm really enjoying year one. Year. It is. It is. I'm I'm enjoying this inaugural year. Whatever happens from this point forward with Murray State at I believe thirteen and ten and eight yeah. and five. Yeah. Whatever happens with the seven games left, I had to quickly do that math. Uh, seven games left. You know, obviously, you hope you don't go on seven. But if you think about it, if you go four and three, let's just be—I'll be conservative there—and you're twelve and eight in the Missouri Valley That's for twelve new players, and anyone I mean, would have taken. That. And I'm going to tell you right now, fourteen wins might win the league. Yeah. I, what we're mathematically just kind of what we're looking at and what's left on the slate. Mm-hmm. Fourteen wins might be the one seed, maybe. I could be wrong. Maybe sixteen. Maybe somebody just gets uber hot in these next seven, and instead of finishing nine and four, they finish sixteen and four, which would be phenomenal. Um, but I just—it's crazy to think that fourteen wins with how tough it's been might actually be the uh, the the kicker. Uh, speaking of the kicker, my goodness, Neil, the Belmont game, the final three minutes. Like, are you and Kenny at that point just kind of puckered with like? how things were going because like the racers they were behind by two possessions and they took the lead and Belmont ties it then Murray State kind of gets a little hot for about 60 seconds then they miss three or four free throws then Ben Shepard watching Ben Shepard's attempt at a game winner I now feel I don't want to say that I, I felt bad for him in the sense that he had played such a phenomenal game that he was willing them to a victory. But the more that I rewatch his game-winning attempt with six seconds to go, mm-hmm. he had to alter his body and shoot it just enough to get some English off the glass, right. and he just couldn't get it over the lip. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, didn't he shoot it with his – I'm trying to think of how his body contorted – shoot it with his left hand I uh, don't remember I'd have to go back and look at it but it but it was it was not that it was contested it was that he had to alter his body just enough to lay that ball in and he did not have a straight lane for the finger roll and it, well, it wasn't wide open because it was not it, wide it was open. not a uh, but it was one that you figure oh gosh he's gonna make he it was here within, we go again he was within five feet yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I was thinking it. Because there's, like I said, there was over 5,000 people in the arena. The only person you didn't want to have the ball right there had the ball right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, oh, the whole no, way down. Oh, no, no, no. They got it to him super quick. Yeah, and that was Gillespie who uh, got the either got the rebound or got the ball from somebody off the off the miss and got it to him immediately. Immediately. And he, he hit the gas once he crossed. I uh, was got the balls, I think, right beyond midcourt. And uh, from our view, and it's like, it's like, oh, here we go. And here's the thing. Ben Shepard, he was a minus four for the game, but he was clearly one of the main reasons they were even in it. 12 for 21 from the field in 36 minutes, 6 for 11 from three, including his big-time make when they had the offensive rebound and make late in the game. Nine rebounds. He had, uh, yeah, one turnover. You think he's a pro? Well, I do know that uh, at one game previously – he had 12 NBA scouts looking at him, so there at least seems to be a lot of interest in him. I, I, I mean, G League. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say he's getting drafted in the first two, you know, in the two rounds or, 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 but I'm thinking like G League invite, get this man on a court, let's see what happens. You know, Tevin Brown is in the G League. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ben Shepard can be in the G League. Now, if 12 scouts are watching him and seeing that maybe he can provide some scoring punch off the wing. 
I thought he played well defensively. You know, the one thing that the Racers did do uh, on Wednesday night is make open shots. They made open shots. They made contested shots. Neil, you know this. They shot 57% from the field in the first half, and they cooled off barely in the second half, shooting 48%. And here's the other thing. Murray State's Brian Moore, 10 for 14, 3 for 3, including those ridiculous racers down, by the way. Down. Mm -hmm. Looking like Belmont's going to eke out a two-possession win. And Brian Moore makes back-to-back threes and really probably should have gotten the heat check three. But instead of them trying to find a good shot, they ended up getting a shot clock violation. But then Jacoby Wood came down and scored, made it 82-78, which I thought was interesting all in its own because he had eight points, eight rebounds, eight assists, no turnovers, uh, 39 minutes. Again, I understand minus three on the uh, box score, plus minus, but – I mean, your 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 two best players really uh, were Brian Moore and Rob Perry right. from a statistical standpoint. I I don't know what else to say about Brian Moore except it's absolutely incredible to watch what's happening right now. And I know at some point I'll get to the stats in a minute. I know his shooting percentages will eventually average out, but right now on this tear that he is on since Middle Tennessee, he's been absolutely electric. What's maybe the insight that you and Kenny have? Uh, as far as what's been going on in his mind and with the coaching staff through this stretch? Speed of the game, I think. Uh, We've talked to him a couple of times, and he has mentioned it kind of took him a while to adjust to the speed and and every other part of Division I basketball. It is a different level for a reason, Uh, but he has continually complimented his teammates and his coaches and his family and folks back home for staying with him and helping him, keeping him positive, despite the fact that he wasn't getting results. And he also said earlier he felt when he got into a game, I can't make a mistake. Yeah, I can't make a mistake. Right, I, I just can't because because I'm getting it, limited he was minutes. Off the bench. Yeah, yeah. It's and like, now he's like, hey, I'm going to make one every now. I mean, he doesn't really think that in his mind, but he just goes to the next play. Yeah. Okay, made a mistake. They make them all the time. Watch an NBA game. Best players out there, they're going to make one or two mistakes every game. Or seven. Sometimes more than that. <laughs> yeah. But you just have to go to the next play. That's what makes them what they are. And he's he's adjusted to that. You know, last night he had, I think he had, what, a couple of two or three turnovers, I think, and had one. And he just said, hey, I made it. But he didn't let it affect the rest of his game. Didn't come out and take a stupid shot or go make a crazy foul. Uh, he has really had uh, an amazing impact on winning. And uh, it has changed the way the racers play with the two guards in there, with yeah. Ian Jacoby. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's a little different thing, and the results speak for themselves. Winners of three of the last four and played really close against SIU. Make a few shots, they win that game too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking at it from a, from a number standpoint, a couple other things really quick about the Belmont game. Uh, I looked at my wife and I said, oh, man, this is – this is this is 2012 Belmont because uh, yeah three of their starters made three or more threes, uh, lost or not the three point shooting is here for Belmont again. You know how like last year the three point shooting kind of mm-hmm. was a come and go. It's it's here like Cade Tyson four for six, Drew Freiberg the transfer from Princeton three for eight, Ben Shepard six for eleven and absolutely needs twenty shots a game and can make forty five percent of them. Uh, they didn't get a lot of help off the bench. I think that's where the racers were different, in my opinion. And that's where I'm going to get to Kenny White here in just a minute as well. But I think the, I thought the racer bench was really the difference. And I know that Quincy Anderson didn't play long and Sam Murray didn't play long, but Sam was pretty critical against that matchup zone in the second half where the racers were kind of struggling. 
you know, Sam was able to get that baseline dunk, tried the jumper, that didn't work, then got another score. Right. You know, those are the types of things. But Kenny White's 33 minutes off the bench was pretty critical. And again, like I said, Belmont's bench, Jacoby Gillespie was one for seven. Derek Saban played nine minutes. He was zero for zero, minus 16. The Racers outscored Belmont 16 points with him on the floor. Uh, Michael Shanks played six minutes. Isaiah Walker, two. And Frank Jakubicek. Is that did I get that right? Jackie Besick. Run that bank. Jackie Besick. Oh, but Jackie Besick. Yeah. I saw Jakubicek. You know what? Jackie Besick. That's why we have Neil Brandley, the champion of all champions on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, he was plus five. He was literally one of only five players and he only played five minutes. So anyways, I, I, I dive into that by really quick here with Brian Moore's numbers since Middle Tennessee, by the way, and this is with Middle Tennessee involved and the fact that he was coming back from illness You're right. uh, with the Evansville game, 52 for 90 from the floor. That is 57.7% shooting. He is 8 for 15 from 3. He's not taking a bunch, but he's making a bunch. Um, you hope 50% is the uptrend because he started out kind of yeah. down. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. not able to make one and yeah. then finally was able to make one and has been consistent since 3 for 3 against Belmont. He has only missed 7 free throws. He's 36 for 43, uh, so that's a relatively safe spot for him as well. And then with Kenny, and this is where I wanted to get some more of your insight, Kenny has been back two games now after his three-game suspension, two-and-a-half, three-game suspension. Uh, he's now in a reserve role, and in these two games, first with you know SIU and then last night with Belmont, nine for 16 from the floor, three for four from three. So he's, he's not taking a bunch, but he's making what he's making. Uh, two of six from the free-throw line, including, including critical, critical miss late last night against Belmont. Mm-hmm. And then five and a half rebounds, 11 and a half points per game. What are your thoughts now with Brian in the starting lineup? What does Kenny White bring from the bench? Uh, does it help the post? Does it help the wing? I mean, what what are you, what is your what is your thought there? And is Kenny maybe more more suited for the bench now uh, with this kind of chemistry that's starting to build between both think, units? Yeah, I think he is right now. They're, I don't think you're going to tamper with uh, the starting lineup with the results that they've gotten recently. Uh, but for for Kenny, he's I think kind of found his his niche a little bit here, and uh, that's come off the bench, bring a bit of energy. He has attacked the basket. Uh, the threes that he's taken have been pretty wise shots. Uh, they seem to be in rhythm. Yeah, and so I I don't really have any issue with that. It's rebounding okay. Uh, free throw shooting it's been a little hot and cold at times. That's just. Uh, you know, more more players are that way than are great free throw shooters or right. bad free throw shooters. So usually you're a little hot and cold. With Kenny, he's in a little slump. I think he'll snap out of that and make him probably the rate he was, which is around seventy percent right now. He's just not not doing well. But I think bringing him off the bench is a terrific idea, and uh, it it helps spell uh, some of the big guys. He does have versatility in the positions that he can play, and that gives the coaching staff a lot of options there. It does. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, if you think about it, if you sub out a Brian Moore for a break, well, now you're bringing in a wing. Yeah. If you sub out a DJ Burns or a a Jamari Smith, well, now you're bringing in a post. Yeah. And he can kind of do both of those types of things. He's a really solid tweener. That's a big reason why he was recruited to come here once it was announced that he was leaving Tennessee Tech. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. If you told me that he averaged – I'd even say 10 and 4 mm-hmm. from the bench for the rest of the season. Oh, well, yeah, you'd take that. You'd take that all day yeah. long. I mean, he's averaging 11 and a half and 5 and a half in yeah. these two games back. And again, I know the law of physics and the law of basketball 
and averages what goes up must come down and what goes down must come up. But from a balanced perspective, if you're looking at a fourth double-digit score, here's what you had against Belmont, which, by the way, in my opinion, I'd have to look at some better numbers, but 19 assists, 11 turnovers on 34 baskets made. One of the better ball yeah, movement games. Very good. Very good. Very good. I, again, I don't have the super analytics in front of me, but from a ball movement perspective, particularly in the first half before the foul fest in the second half, mm-hmm. ball movement for the racers was absolutely borderline clinical yeah. uh, against the post. And I think it's because they just didn't want to deal with blocks. Yeah. They weren't going to deal with two forwards in the front court, th- you know, throttling yeah. them in the, on, the, on their home court. And they and, neutralized Evan Bronze. And Kenny – He's not a great defensive player. I think anybody watches him says that the effort's there. But uh, what he is is the racer's best shot blocker in terms of a guy that gives more minutes. Now, if Sam Murray had 30, 35 minutes a game, two blocks he's getting night. more blocks. Yeah. But right now he's not. So the best shot blocker block that, we, that we have on the floor for the most minutes is Kenny White. He's going to get you one or two a game. He's one of the, I think, top ten in the league in uh, block shots in the in, uh, the season. And, and that's you think about the, that's a six six. My wife, God love her, the the dishwasher that she is, and she's a terrific dishwasher. Um, but um, she looked at me and she says, "Kenny White needs to gain fifteen pounds." And I was like, "What?" And she was like is that man eating cheeseburgers at all? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> right. Cause he kind of, cause you look at him, he's very svelte. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's more of a slasher type yeah. well, that, player. That's his game though. It is his it game. Is. I was like, honey, I was like, if you put a cheeseburger inside of him, yeah. that's going to slow him down. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, I don't think he needs it. And she was like, I, she was like, I'll make him a meal. <laughs> and I was like, honey, no, the point <laughs> is he's a, she loves college basketball. I, I get where she was coming from. But, like, that's not his role. No. Like, he needs to be the svelte slasher who can come in from behind unsuspectingly, yeah. swat away a shot that no one's, ex- you know, no one's expecting him to fly in for. So. And by the way, this game was also only the <laughs> – we go over our keys to – what is it? View from the bench with Kenny. Sure. And, uh, and our sirloin stockade stat of the game was um, – Got to limit their three-point success. So we're thinking holding them to nine or ten, and the racers did exactly that yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Held them to nine. <laughs> so what we said when we we always you know, have our thoughts right before the second half begins, and I told Kenny, if they give up 18 threes to Belmont, they're not winning, and they're not. They were not going to win. They had to do much better. They ended up giving up double digits. Yeah, the Thir- racers, 13 of 27. So they did better in the second half, and uh, – Conversely, they won the game. If they give up 18, 19, they're not going to win nope. the game, and they nope. wouldn't have done that. That's only the second win for the racers, giving up double-digit threes. The only other one, UIC, so they're now 2-7 and seven when giving up double-digit three-pointers. The crazy thing is, and this is we'll, – we'll, we'll go ahead and cap the end of this year. A couple things that I think were just a little probably nerve-wracking gave Steve Prohm a couple extra gray hairs. And uh, I was a – I was a – I was a uh, – uh, a fan in this game, actually. I, I wasn't baseline shooting photos or, or a member of uh, press row, you know, in the press conference. So this is just me from you viewing the top down, sitting with my wife. But I mean, seven for fourteen from the free throw line, and then I thought, and it made me. My wife even looked at me too, and she was like, "What?" I wish she was here to defend herself, but I'll, I'll give her credit. She was right here on this one, and uh, she's a good basketball mind. I don't mean any of this. I'm not a misogynistic pig, but. She looked at me and she said, why did Rob take that three? 
<laughs> yes. And I was like, because he's a 40% three-point shooter. And she was like, there's two other young men open on yes. the fast break. And I was proud of her for knowing what a fast break yeah. was. That's not a knock on anything. but I And she was just like, I don't understand, though why he did that and I said well honey I said he's a 40% three-point shooter if he hits that this lid blows off the arena and I said but then he missed but then she looked at me and she's like but he didn't make it and I was like well I'm aware of that yeah I was like but that's one of his best shots in his bag but what I think what were your thoughts I think from where he stood he thinks I can make this Um, left elbow on that and none of us were standing on that particular spot no but he's wide open. Over five thousand people and his coaches, they were watching it from a different viewpoint. They were. And what they needed Rob to do, and he was able to do this over the next ten minutes or so, is to come over there and sit where they were sitting uh, and have a look at that spot. You're right. And see if maybe that was a good spot to shoot that three. That's right. On a on a one on three fast break or three on one fast break. Yeah. And it's uh, a good point. Notice that uh, once he was able to get a better view of where that spot was. <laughs> where he missed that, from their viewpoint, he didn't take that shot anymore. For those who inquired, Neil is mentioning that Rob Perry was soon on the bench after that play. Yes. That's true. And by 10 minutes, not 10 minutes of game time, 10 minutes of actual time. Yeah. But he was able to take think a about his actions. Right. And that's the best teacher. Ask every coach. Yeah. From, from Bob Knight to Joey the Little League coach, that bench is a heck of a teacher. Well, and here's here's another mindset from that perspective. Belmont scored 82 points. Mm-hmm. They were hot. Yeah, but that's hot. close to what they scored, just a little above. It is, and that's what I'm getting at. That's a game where you know somewhere on that that marker board, Prome was like, we've, we've got to score this many points. So we can't squander possessions when we know on a three-on-one, we've got a 90, let's just... You're going to get two. You're going to get two. You're either going to get fouled and you're going to make the free throws or you're going to get a layup on a guy that's open on the trailer and he had two open guys on the trailer. Poor defender. I believe it was Davidson, but I have to go back and look at the tape. Um, It was either Davidson or Gillespie. One of the smaller guards was back and you knew... He was just like, I'm here so that I don't get fined. Yeah. You know, because, like, I'm not – so I don't get sent to the bench. Yeah. So that was where that was coming from. And, again, I don't want to say it was a – it was a selfish shot, but it was one of those shots that, like, if he makes it, you're just like, holy smokes. It's a a shot that a shooter takes. Correct. You know, you got players who can take those. And uh, Rob – he he only took it, I promise – because of what you said, he thought this is huge. I make it; it's going to go nuts, and he didn't. And he didn't. And, and everybody collective, but, collective groan. And unless you're up twenty or thirty, you don't need to come down three on one and and jack that shot up. And even then, probably not. But uh, the coaches give you a little slack then in that situation. You just didn't need to take that shot. Yep. And Rob has had that issue. Uh, but the thing I like about Rob, the thing that that I think is that he, he has really learned this season. You have one of those here and again, but for the most part, I think he makes pretty good decisions with his shots. He knows he when to take them. Even on nights when he's not making the threes, he's like, okay, I'll score some other way. The, the night he was 0 for 9, he had 18 points. Yeah. Did a great job. No, and he was that, absolutely – He made all of his – he made uh, six of eight of his two – he was six for 17 and 0 for 9, so he was six for eight from two, yeah. made all his free throws and yeah. rebounded well. That's what I mean. So, so he found a way to – how can I impact the team? I'm not making threes tonight. I, I got to figure out a way to help the team. And he, I have and he did to. That. I have to score. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We had to have. We, we can't have two points out of him. 
Yep. That's a position where you can't have two or four. Last thing that I'm going to mention, and we're, this is regular season stats for men's basketball. Um, Prome has talked a lot about it time and again, about the amount of balance that this team could exhibit if at full potential. And this is after 23 games right now. You have 15.1 points per game from Rob, 12.2 games from Jamari, who I think, despite a tough night against you know Belmont, is playing some uh, pretty pretty strong basketball. Yeah, he is. You have 11 points per game from Jacoby Wood, also a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. You have 9 points a game from Kenny White, 9 points a game from DJ Burns, and 8 points a game from Brian Moore, and that's with his intrepid push over the last six weeks. And, uh, yeah, that's really, really good balance. Oh, and I'm, I'm not going to – I don't want to leave this out because Quincy, you know, didn't play a ton versus Belmont, but he's played a lot in the last three weeks. Uh, but Quincy's averaging six points per game, 5.7, and uh, still shooting 36% from three. Uh, not having a ton of minutes lately, but, again, he's played in every single game, and he will continue to play in every single game. Um and then two other freshmen, of course, that are you know, continu- continually seeing time, uh, Morgan and and, uh, and Murray. And they're kind of seeing different situational mm-hmm. opportunities. Uh, against Belmont, it was Sam Murray. You know, against, uh, S- you know, against uh, Indiana State, it was, it, it was uh, Justin Morgan playing extremely well. Right. So, I mean, it, th- that's kind of a, where that ninth man is coming from. So, I, you, I don't know how much more balanced you get, 15, 12, 11, 9, 9, 8. That's a lot of balance. This team, the free throw shooting notwithstanding, if they'll pick that up, they're not going to shoot 21 to 24. They're not. But if they're in the low 70s, 74, somewhere around there, they can live with that. They continue to do that, defend as they have the last four games, and get those four guys into double digits. Doesn't have to be the same four. They could win or be in a position to win every game on the schedule. Remaining, yep. However... Can they take this on the road? They were better on the road at SIU, but can they take it you steal and do that at Indiana State? You, you need to at least win one, and if you get two and win the home games, they're probably going to be one of the top four, and that's what you're shooting for now. Yeah, championship's great, but let's be honest, you want to definitely be in the top four and have Thursday off. Drake was 5-4 and four in league play and 14-6, and six, and since then they've won four straight. They're eleven and one at home. They are nine and four in league play. They're eighteen and six now. Southern Illinois, seventeen and seven. They're nine and four, ten and one at home. Bradley, nine and four, sixteen and eight, twelve and one at home. Belmont, nine and four, sixteen and eight, eight and two at home. There's your top four seeds as of right now. Indiana State's eight and three at home. Murray State, nine and one at home. Northern Iowa, eight and four, and Missouri State, eight and three. And right. that is our top eight seeds. I've seen a lot of basketball right now. this season, uh, personally, and then saw it you know, by watching the the TV games. And the the guy that has impressed me uh, more, he's a better player than I thought he was and especially like the last three games I've seen him play, is Roman Penn mm-hmm. from Drake. My goodness, he makes big shots. He makes big shots in the clutch. He's the kind of guy that if they get to the tournament and Drake wins it, he could end up being tourney MVP. He's that kind of good, that kind of impactful They're in big good, situations. Man. They're and, just uh, good. Because you had Tucker DeVries out. That's all right. I got this. And he, he steps up. No one had a huge scoring game, but he just impacts winning in so many ways. Uh, just a pleasure to watch. We have so many teams in this league that have those one or two guys. It's like, golly, they're yep. really good. Fun to watch. 
Yep. And we're going to get ready to see some on Saturday again with Indiana State, who suddenly they've kind of righted the ship a little bit and uh, right back into contention a game out of first place. And I mean, we have two teams that are vying for that position. Yeah. You've got to steal a road win somewhere. Yeah. Could it come this weekend? I don't it's know. It's got to start sometime. Yeah. Is it this weekend? I don't know. The Sycamores are tough, and they're tough at home, as I was just saying. So, Pivoting to Murray State women's basketball, I, I definitely think it's worth a discussion. Uh, still think this is a good basketball team. Uh, but at right now, after a tough loss tonight at Belmont, Murray State women's basketball has now lost five straight um, after starting the conference play four and two. And the toughest part about that, Neil, is you've got – you didn't steal a home win, and then you've played three on the road, and your next one uh, is Illinois State for, for four yeah. straight on the road. Yeah. And Illinois wow. State's really good. Um, you, you've watched some of this basketball over the last three weeks. I've watched some of this basketball over the last three weeks. It's been tough to see them you know, at home. Obviously, they've not been at home in, in, a, in a hot minute. Uh, they lost that SIU-Missouri State home swing. Two really good teams. Those were unfortunate introductions uh, to the Valley. But since an 83-48 win at home on January 15th against Bradley, a game I was at was was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, they, they played well. I know Bradley's been struggling. But the meat of the schedule, you know, the, the tough part where you need to get a bite out of a couple of these games, Evansville was sold out. I was apparently for the women's game, and then their players showed out. A couple of their seniors were really good. And then you lost a tight game in Indiana State where you yeah. gave gave up 20 turnovers, uh, which, you know, Indiana State made them pay for. Uh, and then tonight against uh, Belmont, this happened about two hours ago, 64-54. Uh, to 54. Uh, Turnovers weren't particularly the issue, uh, but they did a really good job of harassing Caitlin Young inside the three-point line. She was three of five from the arc. 15 points, 15 rebounds, six offensive, but she was uh, two for 12 um, inside the arc. Uh, no turnovers, uh, but had three of her shots blocked. And uh, Murray State women went two for 19 from the field in the first quarter and one for 10 from three. And, um, you know, just didn't rebound from there. 19 for 66 from the floor, five for 25 from the arc. And so, again, they were able to out-rebound Belmont 45-41 with 18 offensive boards but only got, let's see, 14 second-chance points on 18 offensive boards. Not terrible, not great, uh, but they only got two points from uh, – or eight points from Belmont turnovers. I, I, I'm i not trying to diagnose anything, but a five-game slide in which the road has been very unkind for mm-hmm. the women this year, I, what do you think is the biggest – I don't know. Uh, I mean, they were playing so well. Yeah. Go to Northern Iowa for that game and got hammered. Hammered. That's, that's, Did that that's correct. just knock their confidence down that much? I mean, because they bounced back and played pretty well against Drake. I saw the game they played. I mean, that was Caitlin's 43 and then, and game, then they, they And then they beat Belmont well. at home. Yeah. They sent a clear message, I thought, yeah. beating Belmont at home. So you think they back? They got, they got them and took care of Bradley with no – okay, they're back. Uh, they didn't have a good second half against SIU. Uh, but they didn't play an awful game against Missouri State. That score is nothing like the game was. That they could have beat the Racers by thirty that day. It's a bad day. Yeah, just uh, bad day. Sure, just, just an awful day. And those teams happen. have those. Uh, you know, men's men's teams had those from time to time. But I, I just don't understand 
what the deal is. I mean, I realize with some of these games, uh, the lack of maybe athleticism in the half court, especially in the half court. But as far as the depth of athleticism, the other teams maybe seem to have, perhaps that's an issue, but uh, that doesn't cause 20 turnovers and uh, 25 points off turnovers uh, in terms of that many. Uh, it may lead to, to a few because of the athleticism, but I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm not a coach. Uh, this is a good team that isn't playing well yeah, right now. They've got the they've but got the pieces. They have a chance to turn it around, but I don't know what it'll take to turn it around. Not there, a coach. I don't there's know. A lot of games left, but you're yeah. 11 and nine and four and seven. You've got nine games left in conference play. Hey, you certainly can still salvage an above 500 season. Yeah. You still can be even with the standings. Uh, and no one this. expects yeah. them to beat Illinois State, except maybe them. Maybe they believe they can. But, I mean, there, there, there is no first-place tie in the women's standings. It's Illinois State at the top by themselves. Yep. And to, to beat them on the road would be a monumental achievement. Can the racers do it? They, they probably have the talent to do it, but they can't play like they've been recently. They can't have a high turnover game, shoot poorly from three range, and expect to go in there and win. So, so speaking of that, Illinois State, their next opponent is ten and one. They are fifteen and five. They are considered an eighty-four in the net. Northern Iowa is sixty-five in the net. Yeah, I think if they keep winning, two two teams getting in from the league. Yeah, I think, those I think two from are a net in. perspective, yeah. But you have Murray State right now has fallen to one twenty-seventh in the net, um, four and seven in league play, which by the way is a three-way tie for the eight seed. Um, now, granted, at ten and one and nine and two, everybody else is eight and three. You're 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 six games out with nine games to play of one seed. Um, one stat that I'm really looking at um, from all five of these box scores since we last met, they've played a lot of basketball, by the way, since January the nineteenth, uh, which may be a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, not being able to rely on some of your younger players. So having to you know having to turn to some of your your veterans it's you know they're they're really pressed for you know there's probably a lot of pressure there building but you look at the turnover battle and the racer turnover battle they have either tied or exceeded their opponent in all five games uh two games they had i think 11 turnovers and their opponent had 11 turnovers mm-hmm. but the other three games they have exceeded well exceeded the opponent by four or more turnovers that is the singular stat that I'm looking at right now on five box scores. There's other things to probably break down uh, from a uh, you know from a, a nuance standpoint, but from a turnover perspective, I mean that's just like football. You you lose the turnover battle more often than not, you're losing the basketball yeah, yeah, game, yeah. and that's just part of it. Um, one thing that I am relatively concerned about is the fact that I think teams defensively despite Caitlin still doing what she's doing, because you look at her numbers and it's absolutely absurd what she's still doing, but teams have done a really good job just absolutely harassing the hell out of her. And because of that, it's forcing four guards or whoever's out there to make that pressure. So then you mentioned it prior to the podcast. Teams are now letting Caitlin, they harassed her early. Now they're harassing her late in different ways. And as they back off and let her get her one-on-one, now they're trying to deny Hannah. Now they're trying to deny Jordan Hughes. You know, you look at the hyphenator, Bria Sanders-Woods, she was 0-5 tonight against Belmont. Belmont denied her. She had a great game against Belmont two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So that's them respecting the rest of the team and just letting Caitlin kind of do her thing. Right. But 
Belmont, you know, Caitlin could not buy a two against Belmont at all, and that's that's really her bread and butter. It's great that she can shoot the three, and you absolutely want that in your arsenal, but her 15-foot jumper, her layup, her footwork inside of the paint, yeah. you don't get 15 points and 15 rebounds on accident, but she doesn't go two for 12 from, from two yeah. very often. I know, yeah. And those are the types – that, that's just the Belmont game, but you look at this five-game stretch – Turnovers, I think, have just been a really, really Achilles—you know—a big Achilles yeah. heel. That's not a knock on the point guard play. That's not a knock. It's just been kind of turnovers all across the board. And that's, I think, the thing we've noticed in this league is, uh, you know, Caitlin in the OVC Size. was either the biggest or hardly no one had more than one. You get the uh, these teams; they have two or three players. You hit the nail on the head, man. And they confront her. They can go behind her. And that's how they make it difficult uh, by getting those shots. Uh, can't get the ball to her, send a double team her way, make her cough it up, or take a contested against a double team. Uh, the fact that she's putting up the numbers that she is says a lot about her. Uh, and I still love watching them play. Can't wait to see them again. Oh, I want to see them turn it around. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Hopefully they'll do it this Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm not taking anything away. I love to watch them play as well. Uh, I was a, I unfortunately had to work a ton the week that they had SIU and Missouri State. Otherwise, I was uh, planning to be at a game. And I'll, I'll be at a game before the season's out. I'm looking forward to continuing to see them play. But it is tough. You know, I mean, obviously this was a, a really good start to the season. And at 4-2, and two, you kind of were thinking, we go 500 on this road stretch. We're in good position. Oh sure, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, no I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not trying to set the expectations at 23 and 0. Yeah. Uh, but um, 11 and 9, obviously, I'm sure there's no one more frustrated than the coaching staff right now trying to figure it out. And I would not have guessed that record without injuries playing a major role. Big sure. injuries get this player go down that one, and uh, suddenly you got issues. And that hasn't really been the case in terms of a player having a significant injury. Seven games left. Plenty of time there to kind of figure some things out. And you haven't played yourself out of the tournament yet. So, no. I mean, there's no no, no concern there. Uh, just got to figure some things out. And, unfortunately, Illinois State at 10-1 and one, uh, is uh, next up. But, you know, I welcome, I believe, in their final eight games, four at home, four away. Yeah. Uh, certainly, if you go 500 there, maybe that stable. You, you steal one at home or one on the road, obviously. But hopefully that stabilizes things. Uh, pivoting really quickly to a few other points, uh, it was really neat to see John Morant back in the house. Uh, didn't get a chance, obviously, to talk to him. Uh, you and I talked I a little bit. Either. Yeah. I saw him for just a minute, was able to kind of give a cursory nod and wave. Um, uh, the poster day was really cool, but it was cool to see John back in the house. I think that that's now four years in a row that he's at least been back to one game, uh, not just because his jersey got retired. So I know Cam, obviously, you think about it, that's Cam and Ja back on campus. Uh, ja announcing to the team you know, that he's going to get him, you know, his, you know, a pair of his shoes when they come out in April. I think that's a really, really cool gesture. Uh, also, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt him at all. Memphis has lost six of their last seven after a tough loss at Cleveland tonight. Uh, but uh, he's had two triple-doubles in his last four games. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, was voted in today as an All-Star Reserve. That is the okay. second year in a row that he's made the NBA All-Star game uh, alongside Jaron Jackson Jr., actually. So two Grizzlies to the All-Star oh, game. Oh, I had one person ask me today, well, how come he wasn't named a starter? Like, well, what's, here, who's ahead of you, Ned? Uh, and, and, and this is this is no disrespect to Ja. Sir, he's really good. Sir, sir or ma'am, whoever <laughs> asked that, it's uh, Steph Curry. Uh, who, by the way, is a legacy player. Despite his injury, he's been mm -hmm. phenomenal and was going to get the votes. He's good from what he, I hear. He's pretty solid. And then uh, one Luka Doncic. 
And uh, he's pretty good for what I hear. He's pretty good, yeah. yeah. So, and that's the position. So that's why. Luka's listed as a point guard, even though he's really, quite frankly, a stretch four yeah. uh, based on his size. But he is the point guard for the Dallas Mavericks, uh, and he's really effing good. So um, it isn't a jaw going, hey, those guys suck. I should be the starter. I'm going to tell you right now. Go. That's look not at, the truth go look, at yeah, No. He's, go look at who didn't make the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah. And you will see a starting – like James Harden did not make the All-Star game. Trey Young did not make the All-Star you game. You might could cobble those together and win the All-Star game. Yeah. Especially with no defense if oh, they're making the shots. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, they, yeah. they don't defend. They no. just shoot. The old – all I. The old late 80s, early 90s All-Star games, they played a little bit of defense, a little matchup man, man-to-man, man, little zone. No pretend anymore. No. Don't even they pretend. Don't even pretend. No, no that's, it's a dunk show. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. You know, whatever. It's a highlight. People get to have fun, and all the stars get to hang out, mingle, talk about things. It's, it's right. an exhibition Yeah, game, it's an right? exhibition game. Exactly. And furthermore, they get the East and the West in, and now they draft teams, which yeah. I actually love. It's a cool mix of a, it's a cool way, and they they've adopted the Elam ending as well. So it's a cool way for them to mix in the talent, um, and bring guys about uh, and have fun. You know, I mean, like some East guys might be with some West guys. It all depends on how the draft goes. Right. So really looking forward to that. Other quick note about campaign uh, rumor. Uh, rumor was well, not it's reported. Dwayne Rankin and several other beat reporters for the Phoenix Suns have said that Cam has. Uh, doffed his walking boot. He's no longer wearing the walking boot, okay. so hopefully he gets reevaluated soon. I know he's kind of been mentioned in a couple of uh, possible trades in here. It's trade season. Everybody's name, except like you know your top ten NBA players, certainly get mentioned in trade talks. But Cam, uh, you know, looking to continue to be a part of the the Phoenix Suns organization, and then uh, a couple former racers. I want to quickly mention this as we approach the hour mark here with this uh, amazing conversation with neil bradley the former racers daquan smith and damon robinson i want to mention them again they are experiencing some terrific success right now kennesaw state won in double overtime against bellarmine today they still remain very much in the hunt of a regular season title in the atlantic sun uh damon i think it had eight points and five rebounds he's having a really strong season uh, for Amir and those guys, and Kennesaw State again. Just I believe they're sixteen and nine now, maybe better than that. Let me. I have the box score right here. Give me five milliseconds. But Kennesaw State playing really, really well, and Demond uh, is uh, is having a really, really strong year in the starting role. They're eighteen and six. Excuse me, not seventeen and nine. They're eighteen and six after beating Bellarmine in double overtime, and again right there in that conversation. Uh, for the conference championship. Really happy for season. Amir. I really loved him when he was here. I'm really happy he's having that kind of success. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they're, they're going to done. And uh, that's going to be a fun finish because uh, that can be one of those situations where that's a league where like, you're not getting two bids out of that league. No, you, that, you, that tournament's going to be fun. Yeah. That's a, that's a good league. It yes, really is. It, it is. Especially at the top. Yeah. Really good at the top. That's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Absolutely. And then Daquan Smith again for Radford. Radford now... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's one nine straight. Uh, it's either eight or nine. Let me double check that as well. I had that up on my phone and then I failed. Uh, yeah, and there I just scrolled past. And that's Shane Nichols, the assistant there. It right? is yeah, Shane so Nichols Shane, and then Daquan starting. It's good to see, yeah, it's great to see Shane uh, do extremely well. LSU, a little bit of a, a slide as they've entered the uh, the uh, SEC part of their slate. Uh, it's been it's been tough, quite literally tough sledding for them. Uh, as they have gotten into the SEC platform. We'll talk more 
about them some other time. But yes, uh, well, the other thing too, UNC Asheville. Speaking of the Big South, uh, former UNC Asheville is also eighteen and six with a one-game lead over Radford, and uh, former racer uh, Nick McMullen is playing extremely well. He played seventeen minutes. Uh, in the win against High Point and had six points and seven rebounds. But for the season, Nick has been averaging almost eight points and five rebounds on 55% shooting. So you think about in the Big South, your two best teams are Asheville and Radford. Mm-hmm. You got Daquan Smith and Nick McMullen playing yeah. against each other. It's just basketball's fun. College basketball's fun, where these guys go and what they what these guys do from, from Murray State. And then I say these things, and Breon Whitley is doing really well for Southern. Southern has the lead in the SWAC. Uh, as a matter of fact, okay. this past week, Breon was named SWAC Player of the Week. Nice. So it's just crazy to think these former racers doing really well in these other conferences. You think about the last seven, eight years of basketball under Matt McMahon and some mm-hmm. of the and, and that staff, and these guys were good. You know, I mean, oh, they, yeah. they had different roles here, but elsewhere in these, you know, in these other leagues, they're playing extremely well. And uh, wish them nothing but the best. But yeah, going back to DeQuan Smith, he had they he he just recently had 21 points uh, in a big win for them. I believe it was against Presbyterian. And uh, like I said, uh, the Highlanders are in the hunt uh, for a regular season championship in the Big South. So, I mean, you think about, yes, I understand the Big South isn't the OVC even, or although it's good. Uh, the Big South isn't the MVC. Uh, the A-Sun isn't the MVC. And the SWAC certainly isn't the MVC. Uh, but it's cool to see these guys go to new teams. Uh, and then I've had a couple of people even tell me that Matt Smith is starting to really, you know, figure some things out at Thomas Moore. Okay. And good. Thomas Moore is one of the better teams in D3. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they're ranked nationally. I so it's uh, it's just one of those – it's just cool. You know, Matt's kind of figuring it out, getting healthy there, and, and playing some some decent basketball for Thomas Moore. So it's cool to see former racers, former men's basketball players uh, do extremely well at, at new locations. Uh, as, you know, as racer fans always say, once a racer, always a racer. Uh, and it's cool to see them play. Uh, Neil, you got any Super Bowl plans? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a traditional uh, thing. I go to my son's house, and uh, they have deer chili and oh some other God. junk to eat. It's really, it's a really stupid, stupid amount of food. And uh, for me, it's a social event. As you know, I don't don't watch NFL, but yeah. I go there to watch whoever's playing. I think it's at the Eagles and Chiefs. See, I knew it this year. There you go. So I'm going to go watch uh, the game and uh, enjoy the food. And then we always offer our expert commentary on the halftime show, so it'll uh, it'll all be good. Okay, well, looking forward to seeing you. Might see you before the uh, Super Bowl, but if not, have a great time. I know. Well, you, you better see me. We have our Stratomatic draft Sunday, dude. Well, the Super Bowl is the Sunday after, though. I'll yeah. well, yeah, yeah, you're right. But I'll you're going to see, gonna you see before me before. We're not going to podcast at the Stratomatic draft. I don't no, want to. We're not. I don't want to bore anybody you, to when hear. You said but see me if I. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I do see you outside of the podcast, but yeah, that's a good point. Or you I, can let me draft for you. Oh, I'll gosh. do a great job. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will, Neil. <laughs> I. Uh, I don't want to bore people to death, but I am really looking forward to baseball season this year. Uh, I took an extra amount of time to do research. Uh, for my Stratomatic draft, I've always done research, but I've I've done so many trades uh, since I've gotten this league that I just I really you know I've drafted guys that I like, I've traded guys that I like, and last year winning what I think I won 34 games out of 162, and by midseason I knew I was bad and I sold the farm, and I'm hoping that in selling the farm, uh, Ryan Ryan Rickman, if you listen to this podcast, Ryan Rickman texted me the other day and he was like Ryan. Or he was like, Ed, I 
you know, I really like what you're doing with your team right now. I don't know if he meant that in the, I like the way you're building your roster, or I like the fact that you are a free win for me each year. But in either way, I'll take it. I think it. you meant it that way. You free win? Yeah, yeah that's what I Probably. Think. I think you're right. So, Neil, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks.